Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Signs from the Other Side, the place to share stories of signs, coincidences, and messages from the other side. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and I am joined today by Peggy DeLong, psychologist, jewelry designer, writer, wife, and mom. And we are just waiting for Peggy to call in. There she is. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Fern. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for doing this. Peggy is working on a book as yet untitled, but the release date is March 20th, 2019, and I can't wait to chat about it because it sounds like something I will definitely want to read. It's a memoir she has been working on for the past 24 years about going through hard times and coming out stronger. Peggy, can you believe you've been working on it for 24 years? I can't, and, and now I can't believe even more that it's actually going to be published. So I'm, it I'm is. very, Congratulations. very excited. Thank you. So um, time is such a weird thing. Like it probably feels like, well, you're a psychologist. I don't know if you can answer that. Sometimes I think of things and I'm like, it feels like it was yesterday, but then it also feels like it was 100 years ago. Right, right. And when I when my editor had me revisit some scenes, then it really did feel like so long ago because it's a lot of it's mostly from my life from 24 years ago. So to revisit that, it was really like going back in time, uh, and it was it was very therapeutic. And I just can't wait uh, to be able to tell the world my story. Yeah, when you were 26, and so you were 26 years old. When, when this, when I'll, uh, we'll talk about it, but when a lot of these things happened, um, and I think of who I was at 24 years old, and I was a completely different person. So it's kind of, was it a little bit like it almost wasn't even you? Right. And and because my life is so different now, it really, uh, it feels almost that like it happened to somebody else. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So when you were it 26, you were um, about to start your doctoral program. But from the outside looking in, it looked like, you had a great life. You were about to start this wonderful doctoral program. You had a, but sounds like a wonderful fiance, um, and things were going great. Right, right. Everything was going great. I was excited to start school, and uh, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And when we met with the oncologist, Uh, I have in my notes that we were told that he had a 15% chance of living. I don't remember hearing that, but because I I wrote it down, I know that it happened, but I I just had to put that out of my mind and do whatever I could to be there for him. And thinking that 15% uh, chance, I I couldn't, I couldn't be thinking that in order to really be there for him. Um, Unfortunately, he passed away. Um, but that is, that is what my, my book is mostly a story of hope. It's a, it's a love story, but, uh, mostly a story of hope, uh, 
And I really hope that it reaches other young um, widows who want to believe that their life can be good again. Yeah, because your life did get good again. But at the time, you um, you postponed your doctoral program, and you how long was he in treatment? Uh, he was only in treatment for seven months. Uh, so we, okay. we were engaged for for three months, and then he was diagnosed, and uh, it was uh, very aggressive. So most of the time, he was in the hospital. Um, but from the day of diagnosis until the day that he passed was seven months. And he at towards the end. Um, he asked you for a favor. Yeah. One morning um, when one he called, the, yeah. Yeah, most of the days I spent with him, I was very grateful that my job let me take a leave of absence so that I could be there with him every day and night. Uh, my job was guaranteed when I came back, and mm-hmm. there were just two nights that I didn't spend the night. Um, and on one of those, he called me at 6 o'clock in the morning, even though I was going to be there in two hours, uh, and with a sense of urgency, and he asked me to make a list of everybody that I knew who had died, all of my relatives. And mm-hmm. uh, so, what, so when I arrived at the hospital, the first thing that he asked was, do you have the list? And I didn't mm-hmm. want to make the list. I, I was terrified. Of yeah. what and, and he said that he saw them and that he, they all greeted him, but he didn't know who they were, and he was trying to make sense of who they were to me and oh, what they meant to me. Um, so I was, amazing. Uh, so it, it was very amazing. And this was a man who, up until then, didn't believe in God. He, he was agnostic. <laughs> um, so even when we met with the priest before our, um, in preparation for our wedding, uh, he told the priest that he didn't believe in God. And I remember kicking him <laughs> under the table, like, you know, be quiet. He's not going to marry us. Um, so, to, for, so for him to have a change of heart, and I remember him saying very clearly, I changed my mind. There is a God. Wow. So I, and wow. I'm not quite. So yeah. he's probably looking so, at the list saying like, that must've been that person. And that must've been that person that he saw so clearly. Yes, and and seeing the yeah. the, the, visual, yeah. the visual images of who they were, he he wanted to know who what they meant to me, who, what the relationship mm. was. So that wow, and comfort. was he saying that they were kind of like we're going to be here to greet you, or that's the way that he felt. So yeah. On the one hand, I was grateful that he felt that way. On the other hand, um, it was so scary to even think that the end was near. Yeah, yeah. Was he a psychiatrist? Was he um, going to be a psychologist as well? No, no. He was um, in the uh, finance. He was working for uh, Dean Witter in okay. New York City at the time. Wow, I am so sorry. And then you went on your. You had planned your honeymoon. You were going to go to California and drive down the coast, and you ended up doing that with your mom, which is really sweet. Yes. Uh, I, I, my doctoral program allowed me to defer for a year, and then my mother and I ended up taking the trip that was supposed to be um, the honeymoon, but actually my fiancé and I, we hadn't planned a whole lot about the honeymoon. We only knew that mm-hmm. we wanted to do um, Route 1 and take the Pacific, Pacific Coast mm-hmm. Highway, and mm-hmm. uh, so when I was out there with my mother, we were at a traffic light in Half Moon Bay, and I remember we were... Uh, making a left-hand turn onto Route 1, the Pacific Coast Highway, and there was static on the radio, Mm -hmm. so I fiddled with the radio station, 
and then on came our wedding song. Uh, so it, it it couldn't have been more clear to uh, <laughs> my mother and I just looked at each, my mother and I just looked at each other and burst into tears. We could and it was an unusual song. It was not a typical wedding song. We had chosen. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Yes. Um, because we yes. We had, post- we had postponed the date of our wedding. It was supposed to be in March, and then when we learned that his treatment wouldn't be finished by then, we moved it to June, and, and so then we thought by June, you know, the cancer will be gone, uh, so we thought the, mm. the song would be very fitting. I can see clearly now. Um, mm-hmm. And then when he, when he passed, it ended up being his funeral song, and uh, some Aww. friends of mine from high school who were in a band uh, sang that at his funeral, um, and oh, it's something nice. that I hear. I hear it every single year on the anniversary of his passing. Um, even that, if it, you know, it might be. Isn't that incredible? It's, every it's year amazing. for twenty-four years. Every every single year. And uh, and you hear it just ago, you know coincidentally, like on the radio or in a store. Uh, mostly on the radio. Well, actually, all uh, yeah. only one time was not on the radio. Um, and a couple times it was getting close to my bedtime, and I thought, you know, I haven't heard it yeah. yet. You better play it. And sure enough, before <laughs> I went to bed, it was played. Um, last wow. year, I, I wasn't in my car at all, and I don't listen to the radio when I'm not in my car. Um, so I was playing cards with my children um, about nine, 9 or 10 o'clock at night right before they went to bed, and I just hit play on the music on my iPhone, and it mm-hmm. was the first song to be played. Oh, incredible. And it's so perfect that he was, um, that he didn't believe, you know, he was agnostic and um, that that was the song you picked also has another meaning now with, that he, he can see clearly now. Um, yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's just perfect. And he's come through in other songs too. Yes. Yes. And um, one of the, the other ones is um, Sister Golden Hair. Uh, he had asked me out on a date and for some reason we just didn't go on another date for a year later and he said that he told me because he heard Sister Golden Hair by America on the radio and it made him think of me so he (laughs) called me and we went out on a date and I heard that song uh, last summer when I was out kayaking Uh, I was in just a very peaceful night where I like to go in the middle of the lake and watch the sunset and Mm. the band at our uh, our community lodge was playing music. It was the 4th of July. So I paddled closer to the lodge to listen to what music they were playing. And the, um, they, had, they had taken a break. And when they came back on, the song that they played was uh, Sister Golden Hair. So that was, uh, I felt like that was a message for me to, you know, yes, yeah. this, living, you're, <laughs> this is the way to live. Yes. It's incredible. And, and so... Six weeks after he passed, sadly, your father was, did he have, um, was your, your father wasn't sick? No, my father wasn't sick. And uh, so after my fiance passed away, I came back home to live with my parents. Uh, I just couldn't bear to be in the apartment where I had uh, lived with my fiance uh, without him. Mm-hmm. So my parents lived about a half hour away and I came back home and I'm so grateful for that time, those six weeks that I was living at home because then mm. my father uh, suddenly passed away. Um, and before he passed, you know, he was, a, he was also in the mental health field. He was a psychiatrist. 
So he was all into talking about feelings and processing feelings. Mm. And it was really the first, mm-hmm. the first time that my family had really together been, uh, you know, dealing with uh, the death of someone so young. Um, mm. And I just remember my father one day saying, you know, if I have it my way, I'm going to die on a chairlift. And I said, why a chairlift? You know, maybe uh, skiing. At least you, you hit a tree, but at least you're skiing. And he said, no, right. a chairlift. That's, that's where I feel the most at peace, breathing in the cool mountain air. That's where I feel closest to God. And two weeks later, my father died on a chairlift. Uh, he had a sudden of a heart, heart attack. attack. Oh, my yes. God. Wow. Oh, I'm so sorry. But, wow, is it, two weeks before that, he was just, he was saying that. It was like God. Yes. If he had to go, God said if that's what he wanted. Okay. Yes, way way too young, wow. but I really don't know anybody who gets to go the way they want to go. Um, and so exactly. And and to be yeah. able to to have told me, so he didn't keep that thought to himself. He told me. Yeah. So um, yeah, it brought my family much comfort, as well as the entire ski community uh, at the mountain where he passed. I know they were very, uh, you know, traumatized by. Um, what happened, uh, especially the yeah, and lift he, attendant. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. He, so you told the lift attendant like this is exactly what he said. Yeah. So the the uh, the ski patrol were very kind. Uh, my father passed away in Vermont, and we live in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. somehow they had to get my father's uh, SUV um, down, and uh, two members of the Okemo Mountain uh, Ski Patrol. Mm-hmm. Drove his car. Drove his his car down. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And my mother made them. My mother made them dinner, and uh, it was a really wonderful, uh, wonderful conversation that we had. So we were able to pass on to them that this is the way that he wanted to die, and so they shared yeah. that with the uh, with the young ski lift with the others. Who really, yeah. So so it was really. Um, I'm glad that we had that opportunity to let them know because they were affected as well. Right. Right. He sounds like he was, he was loved. Yes. He was very loved Where, wherever he skied. My father was kind of an yeah, outlandish lo- kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> skied with a multicolored clown wig sometimes. So he was, oh. um, you know, <laughs> recognizable wherever he went. <laughs> and he, um, he came through, not ironically, on your birthday on a ski lift, which so often these, these signs, I feel like they happen kind of, you know, kind of, there's like kind of a dual element. Like in case you were wondering if this is a sign from me, like it's happening on your birthday or on another anniversary and it's happening, like there's another coincidence just to validate it. So I love right, that right. what happened to you, what, was hap- what happened to you on your birthday on the ski lift. Yes, on that day, um, I was at our uh, Pocono home, and we had gotten about two feet of snow, which is very unusual for the Poconos. And my children were off from school for President's Weekend, and it was my birthday. And um, you know, the kids were young and just getting a, you know, taking a long time to get ready and out the door. And I was so anxious to get to the mountain and, and ski that fresh snow. So my husband stayed back and um, got them ready, and I went by myself. And there was nobody at the mountain. It was completely empty. I guess everybody, um, the snow would, you know, very dangerous travel conditions. 
So I had mm-hmm. pretty much the mountain to myself, and uh, on my, uh, I always remembered my father um, being so excited when um, we called it East Mountain. When East Mountain opened up, uh, it was a new section of our ski area, and mm-hmm. I was on that chairlift, and something just made me look up. I don't normally look up because it makes me feel dizzy when I'm on the chairlift, mm-hmm. but something made me yeah. look up, and uh, just a couple of years before, a friend of mine had told me that the an eagle is a sign of that a spirit is nearby, and I had never seen mm-hmm. an eagle, and I'd always waited and waited and waited, like, when am I going to see an eagle and get, have the sign? Mm-hmm. And right on my mm-hmm. birthday, when I looked up, sure enough, there was an eagle flying right above my head. And for the entire chairlift ride, the eagle stayed above my head and didn't fly out of sight. Mm-hmm. You and him. Wow. Mm-hmm. And now, and I've seen uh, since then, that was in 2012, and since then I've seen several eagles, um, mostly at our ski area and also uh, at my father's favorite place to go fishing and boating. So huh. it's, it's I don't think I've ever seen an eagle in my life. Wow. <laughs> I'd say I probably see one about <laughs> twice a year now. <laughs> He's definitely and it, saying hi. And only at those two places. Yeah. And another place that he, was that the, the one in the Poconos, was that the place that he loved to go? Um, he was there often and your daughter. Yeah. He was there uh, every single Wednesday. He had Wednesdays off. Yeah. And regardless of the weather, that was just his time to de-stress. So even if it was pouring rain, mm. he would head up to Jack Frost. And he was always known for getting what's called first chair, just a, uh, anxious skiers to get on the mountain, they they want to get first chair. So he waited mm-hmm. for the lift open, and then he was usually the first in the lift line. And one Wednesday, when my middle child was three, I took her out of preschool to put her in a group lesson, and I knew that it would uh, become a private lesson because it was during the week and just uh, nobody's there. So we're, she mm-hmm. and I are walking in at, at 8.30 in the morning to uh, get booted up and get her ready for her lesson. And just as we're walking in the lodge on a Wednesday, it was completely empty. There, there was nobody in sight. And my daughter in her little three-year-old voice says, is that man your father? And hmm. I said, what man? And there was no man there. Um, right. So she, and, and she knew my father had passed away. We talk about him all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I just couldn't understand what was happening, and then I realized that it was Wednesday, and it was right about the time my father would be heading out the doors Aww. right when we were coming in. Yeah, so, incredible. That's just incredible. Yeah, and I so, feel like three-year-olds only—you know—they're so honest. Like they wouldn't, she wouldn't, you know, make that up to make you feel that, like that. You know, just, they don't think that way. So she's exactly right. Who looks right. like yeah. And it was that's just no question. Amazing. No question in her mind. That was her first thought. Is that your father? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. love talking about that story all the time. Oh, and as a psychologist, you know, I often, you know, I can, you know, so I I encounter and I a lot of people who are interested in the same things I'm interested in believe in signs and I can, you know, have this uh, group on Facebook and I love the, the Hay House writers group on Facebook where we met and I love chatting with people who, um, who believe the same thing. We all have these amazing stories and they're all so different and they're all so validating and, and, and affirming, 
but there, you know, you often encounter people who, who just don't believe and who think that we believe, we think these things because we fear death and we kind of want to rationalize it, or we are just in grief and we want to rationalize that the person we love is somewhere good. Um, but as a psychologist, how do you reconcile one with the other? Well, the the only thing that 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 helps me make sense of it all is is just uh, mostly the the beauty of what my fiance told me. Like I just feel mm-hmm. like there's no denying what he saw. So, um, yeah, you know, there's that saying: God's uh, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Um, that's a quote by, by Einstein. I mean, if, if anybody's uh-huh. going to say something like, you know, Einstein makes that state, um, who, who relies on heavy science, um, mm-hmm. it's just, I, like, I almost give little tests sometimes, like, okay, if this, that was mm. just a coincidence. Now, if you're really there, then do this. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. the only way that I can make sense of it is just that it, it is happening to me. With, and I, I almost, exactly. if it were somebody else telling me these stories, I would be skeptical. But because they've happened mm. to me and to, happened to someone who didn't believe and, uh, until it happened to mm-hmm. him, um, that's how I can, uh, can make sense of it. Um, and, I'm, you know, as right. a psychologist, I have to rely on science. I, I never, in my, in my work with my clients, I don't introduce ideas or work on techniques that haven't been uh, proven by research to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's my background. Um, there, right. there is, with this, there really, uh, there, there just has to be belief and trust. There's no, yeah. um, you know, people can, can question me and that's okay. I, I know what happened to me and I know exactly. I to, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And, uh, and there's no denying what I witnessed with my fiance. Exactly. And so you, um, it, it was so, you know, reading your story and then going to your website, it was so, I felt such a, I just felt relief when I saw your adorable husband and three beautiful children. I'm like, oh, she got a happy ending. Thank you. Um, yes, yes. So you met, ended up meeting your husband in your in your doctoral program, right? Um, no, actually, we met oh, okay. uh, skiing. Um, well, we we met oh, at a mountain okay. biking party um, with our ski friends. Uh, so many pe- most of my friends knew him before I did. So oh, it was okay. kind of nice. How to, many years you know, later? Um, two years later. Okay, good. And he's a psychologist. Is he a psychologist too? Or am I reading no, he's that a te- wrong? Uh, he, he, he's a teacher. Oh, okay. Okay. I completely misread that. Okay. Oh, how nice. Okay. So it's, it's so nice that I just feel so happy for you that, that, he, um, that he came into your life when you were ready, it sounds like, two years later. Yes. Yeah. I was, um, I wasn't ready before then. And Mm. it, so the the timing was perfect. If I had met him any earlier, I I wouldn't have been ready. Uh, and I, you know, still even after two years, still carrying around a lot of, uh, baggage. And, uh, so I, you know, I needed to be with somebody who could to tolerate that and who was strong enough Mm -hmm. to, um, to, to be with me. And Mm -hmm. thankfully I found my husband, John, and he is, he is everything. Has he read the book? Uh, He has not read the book. Thank him for his service today. We're recording this on Veterans Day. Yes. 
Yes, he was in the United States Air Force for four years uh, as a young man. While I was uh, in college and skiing, he was mm-hmm. off serving our country. So I am, I am very proud right. of him. Thank you to him. Um, sure. Um, and he's yeah, read so the book? He, he has not read the book, and I have asked him several times, do you want to read it before it's published? You're in it. Uh, but that's <laughs> the other part. He completely, I could not do it without his blessing. And and to yeah. have him give his blessing without even reading it means the world to me. Yeah. Does so he, he's that your fiancé? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, so my husband is, is essentially the, the hero of the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think your fiancé, what was your fiancé's name? Scott. Do you think Scott maybe in some way um, sent him in your, sent him along your path? Well, it's funny you say that because um, – you know, after my losses and I was grieving terribly, uh, so many people had suggested that I see a medium, and mm. I recorded the. Um, you know, well, actually, both of them I recorded, and then I, uh, trans, you know, I, then I typed them into my computer word for word. So I'm so grateful that I have everything um, transcribed. And one of the oh, yeah. mediums, one of them said that it would be Scott who somehow brought. Got, uh, John to me, and <laughs> so so just I what do you said. Believe I believe it. What <laughs> I think um, so. I think um, that's true love that you just want to see your your loved one be with the person they're meant to be with, and 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 find happiness. And it sounds like that's what happened. Yeah. Right. And um, you know after. Oh yeah, go Oh, after someone passes away, and, and it took time for me to really, you know, realize that, is that the love never dies. By me being with mm-hmm. somebody else, it doesn't mean that my, my love for my fiancé is dead or, or will ever disappear. It's, it's just in my heart. Um, but mm-hmm. I had to make room in my life for someone in the physical world to be with. Um, I just have too much love in me to be alone uh-huh. and I couldn't, I just couldn't and the same with my mother uh, my mother was my role model she started dating before me so mm-hmm. it was kind of strange so we were two widows Did living she? together I was, <laughs> so I was 26 and she was 52 and so oh, we're both widows there is a movie in there <laughs> Um, and it just the coincidences go on and on. We, my fiance passed away on the same day that my stepfather's wife passed away, and we actually oh. shared the funeral. And we shared the funeral home with them, not knowing that in the future our lives would uh, <gasps> come together. So your mom started dating again, like you said before you, and she fell in love and married your stepfather. Yes. Who and his wife died on the, buried his on the wife. same day. Oh. Yeah, oh they my lived goodness. in the same town. Yeah. Oh, that gives me so chills. Amazing. How did they meet? Um, they actually met a, a bereavement group. Um, after my fiancé died, two weeks later, I started going to a bereavement group, and it was so helpful mm-hmm. for me to be with other people who uh, yeah. were experiencing grief. Very um, different. My friends and family were extremely helpful but it's just uh, a different way of getting help. So then when my yeah. father passed, uh, you know, a month later, I encouraged my mother to attend, and mm-hmm. she reluctantly came. 
and uh, <laughs> that's where they met. Oh, how perfect! I mean, it's so it's it like is. a movie. That's so amazing. I'm glad you brought up a. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, they've been married 19 years, and my husband and I have been Aww. married 20 years. Oh, oh, I love it. So, so you guys got married first to let you. Uh... <laughs> yes, even though the they have been to dating longer. My mother's uh, just just the kind of person she is. She wanted yeah. me to be married first. Aw. Um, I'm glad you brought up the, the bereavement group for anyone listening. You know, my, um, my, uh, I have a family member who um, we've often encouraged to go to a group um, for people who've lost children. And she hasn't, but, but there's something so powerful in the words Me Too. And it's interesting that the Me Too movement has happened in the past year because those words are so – I always found them to be so powerful. There's only so much, so, you know, friends and family can say to someone who's in grief. But there's something so powerful about saying, like, I, I feel the same – I went through the same thing you went through, and I feel the same way. Me too. It's, I think there's a – and there's healing in, in hearing someone else say that. Oh, absolutely. There, it's, it's an unspoken connection that is felt that uh, is really um, difficult to describe. But as soon as I stepped foot in that room, you know, I'll, just, I'll never forget how, just how comfortable I felt that everybody else yeah. knew that without saying, without saying a word, we all knew what, I mean, everybody agreed differently, but we still had an unspoken understanding and connection. So uh, when I work with yeah. people in my private practice who are grieving, I, I usually recommend that they um, seek out a bereavement group and also mm-hmm. um, individual. I, I couldn't have gone through, gotten through what I did uh, without uh, individual therapy as well. Right. With a, right. With a grief counselor. Um, right. So those, I'm those such two a big believer in therapy. Me. Yes, yes. Oh, and being a smart, well, yeah. <laughs> therapy is wonderful. Um, yeah, thank you for what you do too. Um, it's I'm, I think therapy is everyone should get it. I think. Yes, unfortunately, it's not yeah. always affordable. So I donate. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I volunteer my you know my time. I, I do free workshops um, in my community just to oh, try to so help nice. as many people who who can't afford it for one reason or another. Um, but that, that's yeah. my way of giving back. Very nice. So your book comes out um, March 20th, 2019, and you don't have a title yet, um, but you will be getting the title in a couple of days. So people should find you on social media. Will you be announcing the title? Do you have a cover yet? No, we don't have the cover yet. Um, okay. So, the, yeah, the book is right now in the um, final stages of um, you know, putting all of that together. So it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Every day something uh, new is happening, but by Tuesday uh-huh. I'll know the title. And then I'll really be able to, you know, once we have the title, really um, be able to uh, talk about it. Um, I just feel funny talking about it. Now when I don't have a title yeah. yet, but uh, <laughs> right. two more days. So will people and be then, able to look? Um, on your social media, would it, would it, or on, on your website too? Yes. Um, or do you have, have a different two, website for the book? Well, I have a, the book will be on my psychology website, which is drpeggydelong.com. And okay. that is also my, my Instagram name and also my Facebook page is all um, drpeggydelong.com. So I'll be okay. uh, 
you know, announcing, you know, progress toward uh, publication and announcing the book launch party. And all of that will be on my psychology page. Um, and every now, okay, when it's, okay. every now and then when it's when appropriate, I'll also be uh, posting on my mental health bracelet um, website and social okay. media site. I was just going to mention that. So I'm going to update the show notes and make sure to put um, drpeggydulong.com website and then also that that's your Instagram. Um, and that because I also have right now Peggy's Midnight Creations which are these, they're absolutely beautiful bracelets. And that started, um, you started, what made you start beading? Well, I started beading about 10 years ago. My town was offering classes for adults. There were things uh, like photography, uh, jewelry, sewing, you name it, uh, really wonderful opportunities for adults. So there was a a jewelry making class. So I took it Mm -hmm. and absolutely fell in love with the therapeutic mm. effects of beading. I, I really became addicted and I made so many pairs of ears, hundreds and hundreds of pairs mm. of ears. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, my children's elementary schools have these holiday boutiques where they um, were able to sell them for me. So I was just, oh, and, perfect. and beading became my, really my therapy as um I'm also a forensic psychologist, and I specialize in child abuse and neglect, and a lot of my writing takes place at night. So so I would write from, you know, when my children were little, I would write from about 8 o'clock until midnight, and then I just couldn't go to bed with these horrible stories of child abuse Mm -hmm. in my head. I had to do something to unwind. So beating became my therapy in my way so that I had, uh, you know, was able to go to sleep and and, um, Uh not have, you know, not be... um, you know, have nightmares. About I was going to ask what you. Been... Yes, I was going to ask you where the name came from. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. People yeah, always so. also talk about, um, you know, you should meditate. Meditating so important, and and I think people think that meditating has to be kind of just like sitting in a room going, um, but it could be. Um, like my mom does a crossword puzzle every day, and and I I'm like you meditate every day. It slows your breathing. It relaxes you. It um th- that could be meditating. So I find this the same thing with beating. I, um, I uh, like to play games on my phone sometimes just to slow my breathing and concentrate and, um, and at the same time not concentrate on, you know, not let my thoughts um, take over, which they often do. <laughs> um, but that yeah. sounds like They're... that's what it was doing for you. Right. That, that's exactly what it does for me. In fact, I'm, I'm giving a workshop. My December workshop is on that topic, different ways of, of achieving uh, you know, the state of meditation, that it doesn't have to be sitting in a chair. And uh, right. there's so many different ways that we can be mindful mm-hmm. and uh, you know, achieve that state. So that's something I love talking about and sharing with people. Um, and then my my bracelet, my jewelry kind of switched gears. Uh, for about five years, mm-hmm. I've been doing a gratitude workshop. So I travel to libraries, community centers, women's groups, um, and talk about the power of gratitude. And mm-hmm. then with the with the jewelry, I thought, well, why don't I try making a gratitude bracelet? So I went into mm-hmm. three different stores in my area, um, completely unexpected, unannounced, uninvited, and asked respectfully <laughs> asked this. this the store owner if she would be interested in carrying my gratitude bracelet well they all said yes and then they all sold Aww. out and now they're available in 30 stores around the country and that really inspired me to not just make a gratitude bracelet but to also make an entire line of bracelets for coping with grief loss and difficulty 
Uh, because when I returned to work after my father and my fiance had passed away, uh, I had been giving been given angels in so many different forms, in, in pillows, pens, pins, hmm. uh, necklaces. But it was the bracelets that brought me so much comfort to be able to look down at my wrist and see a bracelet with an angel attached. It was just so comforting for me to go back to work with and, and look at that during the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, that, yeah. That, is, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, it really is so meaningful to me to be able to, you know, I can't take away people's pain after the loss of a loved one mm-hmm. or, or a new diagnosis, right. but I can help people right. be able to bring comfort to, to a loved one by um, sending them a special bracelet. So I um, love really it, and they're really pretty. Thank you. They're really pretty. So I'm gonna have I'm gonna also keep that um, website and the uh, Instagram for Peggy's Midnight Creations in the show notes, but I'll add Pe- drpeggydelong.com. You're doing so many wonderful things. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you on well, behalf I of the world. So <laughs> well, selfishly, I do it for myself. I really, and I'm grateful that it <laughs> yeah. helps other, in the process helps other people because this is really my therapy. I don't feel right when mm. I don't bead. My, I'm a, I'm a happier yeah. mother and partner when, when I'm calm and, and beading is what does that for me. Not just the beading, but actually it has opened up an entire world for me of connecting with uh, women and my customers uh, in a way that I never even imagined um, just on a right. daily basis. I can imagine. Able to, mm-hmm. It's extremely gratifying and I'm so grateful uh, to have kind of discovered this um, way, different way of using my mental health background and connecting mm-hmm. with people and, and beating. And then I also get to write. Uh, I love to write. And my every bracelet comes with an inspirational message. So that's mm-hmm. another way that I get to you know, incorporate some writing. Perfect. So I just feel it's extremely trifecta of Dr. Peggy yeah. DeLong, beating, book, yeah. and, and psychology. I love it. It's so perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank I love you. chatting with you. <laughs> this Thanks is for, so great. Thank you. And for everyone listening, um, please check out the show notes to find out about drpeggydelong.com and Peggy's Midnight Creations. And um, check out the Instagram page because they're really pretty. And thank you again. And have a wonderful night. And thank you again to your husband. Thank you, Fern. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good night. Of course. Have a great night. Thanks. And thank you to everyone listening. You can find me on all social media at Fern Rone. Have a good day, great night, and sweet dreams. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.